This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. This morning we welcome visitors to the island and to the programme. Reverend Jill Newton and Deacon Kerry Scarlett are the presidency of the Methodist Conference. As you're going to hear, they both have Celtic roots, and as you'll also hear, there's a chance to meet them in person later today, as they're taking part in services this afternoon and this evening, where everyone will be made very welcome. One of those services will be bilingual, in Manx and English, so it seems fitting to have music in today's programme reflecting that. The bilingual service, which is this evening in Balabeg, will start with a translation into Manx of this powerful hymn of trust, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father.
Great is Thy Faithfulness, which will be sung in Manx at the start of the bilingual service in Balabeg Methodist Chapel tonight at half past six. I'll tell you more about that a little later in the programme. But now let's meet our guests. Reverend Jill Newton is President of the Methodist Conference and Deacon Kerry Scarlett is Vice President. The Methodist Conference, of which Jill and Kerry are the leaders, is the decision-making body that leads the Methodist Church in Scotland, Wales and England, along with the Channel Islands, Shetland and the Isle of Man. And during their year in office, they're almost constantly travelling, visiting as many Methodist circuits as possible. Hence their visit to us this weekend. But their titles could be a bit misleading. To say that Reverend Jill is the President and Deacon Kerry is the Vice President could suggest that Kerry is second in command or waiting to move up into the President's role. But that's not the case. It's really more accurate to call them the Presidency as their roles are equal as they work side by side throughout their year in office. As we're now going to hear, for Deacon Kerry Scarlett, this weekend is tinged with nostalgia. But it's a first taste of Manx life for Reverend Jill Newton. Absolutely, yes. And I'm already feeling very uh, warmly welcomed here. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. Kerry, where in the world is home for you? So I'm originally from Northern Ireland and I have been to the Isle of Man before because when I was a little girl and there were more frequent ferries that ran between Belfast and the Isle of Man, I came on my holidays. I have really fond memories. And mostly because I was nine or, or ten, I have memories of beautiful beaches, a really warm welcome and just a feeling as though this was a, a little bit of a magical, special place. And I think I think I was right. Well, I'm so glad that you've caught that, Kerry. Where's home for you, Jill? Well, home for me at the moment is York. That's where I live. But originally I'm from the north part of Cornwall, so I have some Celtic roots. This is getting better and better. (laughs) (laughs) Now, before we talk about your role in the Methodist Church, is what led you to ordination, Jill? Oh, wow. That's always a good question, isn't it? It was a, a sort of gentle nudge over a lot of years, really. I was a banker before I came into ministry and spent many happy years in, in the banking industry. But over a period of about seven or eight years, I just got a gentle nudge through lots of other people and through my own sense of my relationship with God that I wasn't meant to stay in banking for the rest of my life and that there was something else that God wanted me to do. And I resisted that quite firmly, really, for quite a while. It wasn't something that I felt I would be able to do or could do or even wanted to do. But God is uh, just very gently nudging and persuading me (laughs) over that period of time until there came a point where I knew I had to say, well, let's explore this and uh, see what the church has to say. And so I pushed that door and uh, the rest is history, as they say. But interestingly, when I told my parents what I was going to do, they said, why has it taken you so long? We've been waiting for you to say this. So other people can so often see what God is doing before we see it for ourselves. Kerry, how does that compare with your story? How have you got to be where you are today? I grew up in Northern Ireland. I was born in the 1970s, just outside Belfast, at the height of what we called the Troubles. And I occasionally went to church with my grandparents in North Belfast. 
really, and I don't know if any listeners will have this experience, because it's what we did really to keep my grandparents happy, that kind of family where it was the right thing to do rather than a a real sense, I think, of owning my own faith or or it being something that I looked forward to, if I'm honest. But it was a Moravian church. The minister at the time was uh, Bishop Joe Cooper. Joe was an Englishman who had been sent to Northern Ireland to be minister of this church uh, in the 60s and had then stayed, which was an incredibly courageous thing to do. He stayed, he lived in the church house of the months, right at the middle of North Belfast. He and his wife carried on their everyday lives, befriending people in the local community and really being a, a people of peace in a city that was being torn apart. And that made a huge impact on me as a little girl. The fact that our faith was something that we lived out every day. And, you know, like lots of teenagers do, I stopped going to church in my early 20s, you know, on the face of it, I had graduated university, the first in my family to do so. felt that was a huge achievement. I'd got my first job. I had lots of friends, a really active social life, but I just felt as though something was missing. I realised that one of my friends had stopped coming out every Saturday night. He was often saying that he was busy with a youth group at his local church, which we all thought was a bit odd. Why would you choose to do that instead of coming out dancing? And then one night, this was was the height of summer. It was the mid-90s. Things were a bit restless in Northern Ireland and I was really thinking, you know, what, what is going on here? And I remember turning to this young man and saying, you know, it's it's good good to see you. you've joined us on a night out. And um, he said, uh, oh, yeah, it's nice to be out. I haven't seen you for a while, Kerry. H- how are things with you? And I went, oh, you know, they're all right. Just tell me some good news. I, I don't know why I worded the question that way. He turned to me and said, Jesus loves you. And then turned and, and walked off because he thought, oh, my goodness, what a stupid thing to say. I was rooted to the spot because just those words really hit me. I think the fact that he was genuine in saying them and I think it touched something really deep in me that I'd remembered from being a young child. The fact that I knew it was true and I had this sense that absolutely Jesus loved me but also Jesus loved everyone around me in the nightclub. Jesus loved every single one of them. And the next morning, the Sunday morning, I absolutely stunned my parents by getting up out of bed and suggesting I was going to go to church. Now, the kind of side story to that is while I'd been at uni, my two brothers had started going to a different youth club because they were girls. I mean, if I'm honest, and sports, both of which were things that they as teenagers were interested in. And uh, my parents had started going to that church to support them. So I had a church to go to. I went to church with them. I asked more tricky questions of the minister there. I figured out that Methodism was a a space in which I could find home. So I ended up eventually leaving my job, working for the Methodist Church in Ireland, coordinating their children's work. I then moved to England in my early 30s and felt a call to train to be an ordained deacon. So I'm an ordained deacon within the Methodist Church. And for the last... Gosh, it's 15 years. Have been serving in various appointments across England. You're a deacon in the church. And what's the difference between a deacon and and Jill's position? Oh, that's a great question. So in the Methodist church, and this causes so much confusion to our friends and our siblings and other denominations, in the Methodist church in Britain, deacons are ordained and we are also part of a religious order. So when we explore our calling, we are exploring our calling to both. So the religious order aspect for us is about being part of a dispersed religious order. We pray for one another. We meet regularly in our ordained ministry. We are seen as absolutely equal to people in Jill's role. So we are all ministers together and we are permanently ordained to be deacons.
We are called to a ministry which focuses often on ministering to those who would find themselves perhaps at the edge of churches, even at, on the margins of society who have experienced marginalisation. We are often sent to appointments where we are working in and with and alongside the community, very often communities where there's lots of experience of poverty. Uh, lots of us are involved in innovating and starting new projects. So we will, uh, together with the people of God in a particular place, discern what God might be saying, start something off, uh, build people up and encourage them and then perhaps move on after a time when that has found its space. We're, we're generally passionate about that kind of social justice aspect and seeing God at work in the world. service in Balabeg Methodist Chapel will include several Taizé chants, gently repetitive music with reflective words, translated into Manx by Ruth Kegin-Gell, the Manx Language Development Officer, and Paul Rogers. This is one of them. Sing praises, all you peoples. Sing praises to the Lord. It's sung here by a group of people keen to use more Manx in worship, who were learning some Teze chants with Ruth on Friday evening. Reverend Jill Newton and Deacon Kerry Scarlett have chosen as a theme for their year in office hidden treasures. Here, Kerry and Jill explain what that really means to them. That for me has led me to think about what it means for us to be called to be encouragers, to encourage other people and to build one another up, particularly when in wider society we see so many trends around people being criticised. It's so easy, particularly with social media, to be negative, to say unkind words without really thinking about the impact they're going to have on someone. So something we can do is to intentionally seek to encourage people and, and build other people up, let them know of the little things that they do, the gifts we see in them. Uh, and I've been really challenged, particularly over the last few months, of how important that is, particularly as Jill and I go round the connection. Part of our role as the presidency this year is to be people who listen to the stories that other people have to tell and to encourage them in the lives and the work and the ministry that they're about where they are. You may be aware that our theme for this year is that of hidden treasure and part of what we're doing is looking for that treasure as we journey around and noticing 
where there are treasures amongst God's people and actually helping people themselves to understand that they are treasure to God. I mean, so much of what Kerry's just been saying about how we can encourage each other is so true that we can encourage people to recognise the gifts that they have, the fact that they have treasure to offer, that they themselves are treasure. So many people don't recognise that their story is important. And part of what we're trying to do is to help them recognise that really, that their story is valid, that their experience is valid, that who they are and what they're doing and and what they are is treasure to God and can be of value to other people as they share that with them. Bless the Lord my soul and bless God's holy name. More reflective music from the Taizé ecumenical community, which has been translated into Manx and will be included in the bilingual service in Balabeg Methodist Chapel tonight at half past six. The service will be led by the head of the Methodist Church on the island, Reverend Dr. Janet Corlett. The organist is Gareth Moore and there'll be guest soloists and a proper Manx Tay afterwards. And my guests, Reverend Jill Newton and Deacon Kerry Scarlett, will both be attending and speaking at the service. Before that, this afternoon at half past two, Deacon Kerry Scarlett will be in Agnish Chapel, up in the hills above the Laxey Wheel. She'll be sharing some thoughts on the theme of hidden treasures and would love to meet as many as are able to join her. That's Agnish Chapel this afternoon at half past two. Let's hear once more from Kerry and Jill reflecting again on their role as the Presidency of the Methodist Conference, the decision-making body of the Methodist Church in Britain, which includes the Isle of Man. I think our role as leaders within the church is an interesting one because the Presidency has a role which is very representative, so we represent the wider church, we build those relationships, the stories and the learning that we hear in one place we will pass on into another place where we will offer suggestions. But actually it's interesting because the presidency has relatively limited uh, decision-making power. So we we don't really have say about things like where money and other resources go. We can have good ideas and we can share the good ideas. But there's something about that shared leadership within Methodism that I think is interesting. And ultimately the conference voted for us to be in these roles but it's the conference that holds much of the decision-making power as a collective. Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot in the Methodist Church about conferring, and by that we mean talking to and listening to each other as we hear the opposing views that there will be so that we can spend time 
doing that conferring and arriving at a place where we all feel or as many as possible feel comfortable with the decisions that we're taking. So we we would try not to be confrontational in those conversations, but to listen carefully to each other so that we arrive at a place of consensus. And obviously, yes, we do have to vote on some things because we, we have to make those decisions. But we do that after a long period often of consultation and conferring and, and prayerful deliberation. And Okay, we can get frustrated sometimes that we take a long time over our decision making, but I hope that ultimately we might bear the fruit of that because we have enabled people the time to really process what those decisions are all about and and why it's important that we journey on as much together as we possibly can. Particularly over the last few years, we as Methodists have really been seeking after what it is God wants us to do. We started as a movement We started as something which was really quite radical. Uh, People who were justice seeking, who were radically inclusive, who were really working class people. And what does it mean now to be called by God, to be people called Methodists? We're sensing, I think, a call to continue to be disciples, to continue to make and grow new disciples, to be an inclusive, justice seeking, evangelistic church in it. Maybe that that happens in those small ways. Maybe God is not calling us to something that necessarily looks big and and fancy, but actually just that faithfulness, being a, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, where we are sharing good news just through who we are, seeking after justice, because that's what we believe God calls us to do. So we're really, I think, doing some searching as a church about who and what it is that God's calling us to be going forward.
St. Columba's Blessing, Pada Colum Kilia, an arrangement by Dr. Fenella Bazin, written specially for singers Dillis Sowry and Marlene Hendy. And my thanks to my special guests this morning, Deacon Kerry Scarlett and Reverend Jill Newton. Meet Kerry at Agnish this afternoon at half past two, or both Jill and Kerry at the bilingual service in Balabeg tonight at half past six. And now, a look at the rest of our notice board news for the coming week. And we start with a message from the Parish Church at St John's. For the next few months, whilst the weather is cold, the Sunday morning service at 11 will be held in the church hall, which is easier to heat and where a warm welcome awaits everyone. And a reminder of the changes at Baldrine Methodist Chapel. With effect from today, they're moving all their services permanently to Baldrine Chapel Hall, which was the original Baldrine Chapel. So, in a way, they're going back to their roots. And their Sunday service is also each week at 11am. Today is Plough Sunday in Abilands Methodist Chapel and you're warmly invited to a plough service this afternoon at 3 o'clock led by Mrs Rita Norrie from St Mark's and this will be followed by refreshments. Also today there's a special service of Evensong in St Thomas's Church here in Douglas in Finch Road just behind the Gaiety Theatre when the choir from St Peter's Church in Onken will sing Evensong in St Thomas's Church tonight at half past six. This is a restful, prayerful service with beautiful music and if you've never been to Evensong, now is your chance. Tonight in St Thomas's here in Douglas at half past six. Looking at the week ahead, and there'll be another simple lunch at the Cool Chapel Hall this Thursday, the 18th, from 12 noon till 2pm. Homemade soup, bread, dessert and a hot drink for just £7. The Cool Chapel Hall is easy to find on Cool Road, just close to the top of the Isle of Man Business Park, and all are welcome. Looking ahead to next Sunday, the 21st, there's no service in Selby Methodist Church next Sunday as the Methodist Church and St Stephen's Church, both in Selby Village, are joining together for a shared service to celebrate Christian Unity Week. That's next Sunday in St Stephen's, Selby at half past ten and it'll be followed by refreshments. The Cathedral Choir, whilst exiled from the building in Peel due to work on the cathedral floor, are taking Evensong on safari. And Reverend Ruth Walker from the Abbey Church in Balasala says, We're very happy to be hosting this quiet, contemplative service at the Abbey Church here in Balasala at half past three next Sunday, the 21st of January, with refreshments afterwards in the church hall. There's plenty of easy parking nearby and this is your chance to experience a different style of calming worship and at the same time encourage the young choristers in their faith and in their music studies. And finally for next Sunday, the Mariners Choir will be in Colby Methodist Church for a service starting at half past six. The preacher will be Mrs Rita Norrie and there'll be supper and community hymn singing after the service and the usual warm welcome for everyone. And I'm afraid that's all we have time for now. But I'll be back later in our virtual lounge tonight from nine o'clock with our usual mix of easy listening music, your requests and your dedications. And so, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week and a very good morning. Mm-hmm.